You really can't see my video. Uh, now I can. Yeah, you're back. Oh, well, thanks for letting me know. Could have had my pants down. <laughs> is, that, is that that, uh, uh Trader Joe's <laughs> scotch you've got? No, it's, a uh, Vara wine. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's the, uh, Tempranillo. That would be the ugliest glass of scotch I've ever seen. Well, it might be real weird. I don't know. I don't know what you put in your scotch. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Wet Wired. I'm Sean Andes. And I'm Julian Paul Butt. If you have ever dreamed about buying and selling children on the open market. I mean, who then... hasn't? I mean, that, that's just the, that's everybody's talking about it. Every MLM is covering it right now. For, for, for all of you who are wondering if, if this is going to be a viable business, Tim Ballard will let you know every single step you'll have to take in order to be successful. <laughs> in, in Reno 911, that uh, one of those episodes where they're like, all right, well, kids, what you got to know is that drugs are, are really terrible and you shouldn't do them. Now, if you're going to do them, you're going to want to do them like this. And then they go through <laughs> how to get drugs. <laughs> There's a lot to learn. And, you know, like, I think the, 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 the people who have gone before us could really help us uh, avoid the usual pitfalls, make the, make the typical mistakes. They could, they could just make the whole thing go smoother. So we were talking about the, I, I, I think, totally unexpected box office blowout, Sound of Freedom. It's like number three right now. It is at number three. It opened up ahead of Indiana Jones. It actually beat Indiana Jones for part of the for at least a good chunk of that weekend, the opening weekend. I watched a, I was going to go see the Indiana Jones movie and I walked I, I got through the preview and I just couldn't do it. I, I watched the trailer at home and I, I just couldn't go because the, the entire thing was this this extended sequence of a de-aged Harrison Ford running around and it looked like the like a, a cut scene in a video game <laughs> where when the AI AI likeness or, or or maybe something worse like they just kind of did like a, a shitty animation of him I mean well I don't think it was shitty at all I mean if this if I saw this was the you know the movie in the middle of the the cut scene in the middle of a video game I would have thought that this was amazing you know fantastic animation but it doesn't look like a film. It doesn't look like a movie. And Indiana, the de-aged Harrison Ford doesn't look like young Harrison Ford. You know, he doesn't look like he did in 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark. <clears throat> yeah. You know, but that's what they're going for. And it just there's something there's something about this whole process of de-aging that the characters all look like they're covered in a thin layer of rubber. Like it's like a, like a latex mask <laughs> or something that's on top of everybody. You know, I like believe the, like the Mission Sean, Impossible mask right before it's they called right Gimp before, mask. The, like the Mission Impossible mask. Speaking of another you know giant movie that's in the theaters right now, but the like the Mission Impossible disguise mask where right before it go, right before they cut to the actual actor that's playing you know that's that, that's going to be playing that role for a moment. That that where it hasn't quite sucked to the skin yet, 
and it's, <laughs> it doesn't quite look convincing, but it does look reminiscent. That's what all of this this de aging process looks like every single time. It looks terrible. I mean, without the green, it's fucking Jim Carrey in the mask. It is. It really. It it really like I just remember what was the. Uh, what was the one with uh, what was it? The Irishman with Robert De Niro? <laughs> like, that one. <laughs> that was so fucking ridiculous. There was a scene where he gets into a fight with a guy on the street. All right, so they de-aged him, but De Niro is still moving like a seventy-five-year-old man in this fight scene, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you could tell he just has he's really cautious about every footstep and isn't sure if he's gonna fall down. And meanwhile, he's throwing these punches and kicking the guy on the ground. It just looked ridiculous. You, I mean, you've it seen, really looked you've like, seen those, those. It looked like somebody's grandpa beating up somebody who was much younger. You've seen those viral, those viral clips where it's Aikido and there's the guy who's got to be 87 years old and uh, he just kind of moves gently towards somebody and they flip over backwards and then, and then he kind of, and then he kind of pokes a guy and then he flips over backwards <laughs> It's the same thing. It's the same thing. There's, there's something viral about that. I have not seen these. No, there are these videos. It's, it's just like old Aikido guys who are, who are just like, you know, I know that the point is not necessarily to actually be doing it per se, but to be demonstrating the move. But it's just so ridiculous because the guy kind of just moves a little bit. Is this really old footage? It's like aughts, early aughts. I don't know. It's It's on the Internet. No, I mean, like, is it not, not, not the video clip. I'm saying, like, is the footage old? Is it black and white? No, is it's it color? Not, no, 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 no. I'm saying it's like in the aughts. It's like it's, I don't okay. know, early aughts. It's not that I don't know. old. Aikido always looks like that when it's demoed. Let's get into this movie a little bit. Before we get into the movie, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to itch the whole time because it's going to be on the top of my brain. It's the sound of freedom. Really, it is a perfect mashup, not just literally, but also figuratively in how it plays out. Of the sounds of silence and the sound of music. Well, don't forget the sound of metal, the movie that came out a few years ago about the death metal drummer who was losing his hearing. <laughs> That's what I thought of immediately. I was like, oh, it's like the sound of metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a special forces, forces agent who's slowly losing his hearing, but he still has to go on one last mission. <laughs> Just one more, let me do it. <laughs> this shit's the. Like, as soon as I lay down, all I see are those kids' faces. I don't think I can do this job, Tim. Let me ask you something. How many pedophiles you got? Is it today? 288. Not so bad. My kids, you found There's a high probability that most of those kids are outside of the U.S., Chris. So, our job is to get the pedophiles. And that's it. It's a messed up world, right? It's a messed up world. And that right there is the entire motivation for everything that happens after it. This, this like this, this guy who's been 
working this job and catching sex like sexual like sexual predators online and pedophiles and whatever else and but trying to bust up networks of people sharing files of photos of children and this one moment changes all of that that's that's exactly what everybody's expected to believe you know those you remember those bad 1990s made for TV dramas uh, or or even half the things from the Lifetime channel where before it came on, it would say something like based on a true story. And the whole thing was so fucking unbelievable that you saw exactly how much creative license they took in it. This really gives me that Lifetime channel vibe as he's going through with it. It's like really though is it i think it, it really could have ended up as a lifetime movie and you know the 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 studio angel studios i think is what it's called they had their <laughs> they got they got their start like i think it's I, and I actually think it is a mormon film studio that they got their start basically taking other films like box office hits and just popular movies in general and removing everything they considered to be objectionable material and then re-releasing it, which obviously is not legal because you can't just use other people's shit and edit it up and then release it again. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. They, they, that did not last, and they were they had to they had to retool. They had to close down and they uh, had listen. To the cool kids are calling it pivoting. Okay, Sean, you got <laughs> you got to you got to pivot from uh, <laughs> from from magic underwear to okay, making- Jules, Jules, Jules. Nobody cool has ever used the word pivot. <laughs> That's a tech bro word. All right. So Jules was sent. Let me back up a little bit. This episode was slightly delayed <laughs> because Jules just flat out refused to go see this movie. He wouldn't do it. I I, I told him, hey, I want to cover this movie. And I, I you know, this is like right on theme for the show. This is exactly the kind of material that we cover. I, re- I really think that you should go see this. And he said, OK, you know, but he basically just was telling me to fuck off because there's no way he was going to see this movie. So then a week later, I said, hey, Jules, let's do that episode. We're going to we're you know, let's talk about the movie. Did you did you what did you think of it? And your response was. Uh, was I supposed to watch that this week? Yeah. 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 I, and I'll point out, I've since watched it on the most bootleg of bootleg videos. Uh, not only does my vast security pop up every time I click anything saying, Hey, watch out. This is probably dangerous, but the whole thing has a watermark throughout the whole movie of this very chintzy looking online gambling website so after i finally did convince you to go see it tell me what did you what did you think about the movie just give me your thoughts before we start breaking it down it was i know i'm gonna repeat the same thing that that you've said and everybody else has said it's so fucking boring it's the slowest moving thing i could watch paint dry and it would happen faster than this fucking movie it is it's supposed to be presented as this like action thriller or maybe action adventure perhaps. And it, it is, it is like a daytime soap opera. If you were to make it into a dubstep breakdown and it just slows down for two hours. It is, it is one of the dullest films that I've ever seen. And I think it's especially dull 
because it was presented as this action thriller. So you're expecting Caviezel to reincarnate like Patriot Games or something like that. <laughs> that is not what you get here. You don't get any of that. There, there is basically a, there. There is a handful of moments of tension, and there, there's so, but there's so there's such a passing concern that you never f- feel worried about anything that's going to happen. It's just one scene leading to the next, chugging along in this incredibly monotonous pace. There's no character development. There's no. There's nothing. They're not even two dimensional. They're just like delivering lines that kind of describe what's happening. Just as a reminder for anybody who hasn't seen him on screen in a while, Jim Caviezel is a terrible actor. So bad. He he has he really does have this a decent amount of screen presence. You do want to look at him when he's when he's doing things because he he does draw your attention, but. Other than that, he cannot, there's, there's no acting involved. All he can do is uh, like deliver this sort of smoldering kind of look. Yeah. It's like, he's trying so hard to be serious that he has no emotion throughout the whole fucking movie. No, I think that's just him. I think you just get, I've seen him in interviews and when, you know, especially talking about this film and he doesn't, he doesn't appear any different there is no Tim Ballard in this movie. Like, yes, Tim Ballard is the name of the character, but J- Jim Caviezel is what you get. You don't get Tim Ballard. You get Jim Caviezel because he's the same on the screen here. He was the same as Jesus. He was the same as the bomber in Deja Vu with Denzel Washington. <laughs> he's the same in an interview. Yeah, it's the same guy, you know, every time you get him. There's a, there's a couple of scenes where he delivers some line and then he starts cry, crying and I'm looking carefully to see where they cut so that the prop master can put some fucking Visine in his eyes because he's such a crocodile. How dare you diminish his acting abilities to think <laughs> that he can't cry on command? How dare you? I don't believe that. You you think that's Visine? That is craft. <laughs> who is the guy who had the who had the Hawaiian shirt that he met like a quarter of the way through? You know, I, I, I could have done more work on this and written down people's names and everything. But yes, he is one of those character actors that you have seen before. And he's good. That's what I was going to bring up. He was good. Yeah. He nailed yeah. it. And the same thing with uh, Caviezel's boss, which is another guy that I've seen in a dozen different things. But yeah. whose name I can't remember. He's also really good. Yeah. He's given shit for material to work with, but he does it as well as he possibly could. Yeah. All right, so let's let's go through. I don't know. We're not going to do this in an in-depth kind of way. We're just, but let's let's go through kind of a plot synopsis. Essentially, you have Caviezel, just like you had in the clip. He plays Tim Ballard, who is allegedly a real-life Homeland Security operative agent, something like that. There's a funny thing about this is that. And about his role, his the real life Tim Ballard's role with this organization he runs called Operation Underground, Underground Railroad. He presents himself as if he has all as if he has all of these credentials, having worked for the CIA and having worked for Homeland Security in this particular capacity. The interesting thing about this is that it seems like he hasn't ever authorized the release of any information about the specifics of his employment by Homeland Security. 
So basically, when reporters contact Homeland Security, they get told, yes, he worked here from this date to this date. They don't get any specifics because he has not authorized the release of that information. He could if he wanted to, but he hasn't. He could have been Charlie Day in the mailroom, for all we know. Right, which puts him in this really great spot where he gets confirmed that he worked for Homeland Security, but without any details. People can use their imagination and 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 invent the most exaggerated form of whatever they can think of for his actual job title and activities. Right. If you want if if the if you want to be a fanboy, you're going to take away the most dramatic superhero ultra secret agent you can imagine. And if you want to be a reasonable person, then you should question what the fuck did he do there? And that should be the stopping point of every interview with this motherfucker from now on. Like my my money is on a fucking clerk. What was the nature of your employment and why won't you re- why won't you authorize the release of that information? That should be the stopping point. And like everybody should just get up and walk away at that point in an interview. That was that was something that was really frustrating looking at reviews of this film because every single review has like the IMDb bio that he edited himself that talks about real life secret agent operative homeland security CIA all this bullshit and there's no there's no substantiation anywhere you know there there's absolutely nothing to 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 you know to support the, any of this like his the level of his involvement in these operations now we do know that the operation or right, I'm getting ahead of myself here all right so basically Tim Ballard that's who he, who he alleges himself to be, and that's who he's presented to be in, in the this film. lifetime original, played playing Tim Ballard. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Some bits work and some don't. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> and so we 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 start off with their you know they're busting a pedophile. It's you know it's the, it's the, it's that same scene like right out of every computer hacker movie where you get the guy on the keyboard and he's clicking away and he's tapping around moving the mouse and looking at photos i wrote this down i wrote down what they say they say quote he's in yeah exactly (laughs) i'm in you know (laughs) every every movie since hackers has done this so they so they you know they're 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 monitoring his online this dude's online activities who basically looks like a cross between Christian Bale in The Machinist and a really really thin Adam Driver. He's got bangs, he's got a mustache, he's got a mullet. It's mullet bangs. It it's not just like you know how the mullet come you can kind of have the shaggy front a little bit and the back like they did. No, no, no. no. It's a bangs mullet like straight across the forehead. See if Jules had seen either of those had seen that movie with Christian Bale or knew anything about what Adam Driver looks like in his other roles, he wouldn't have needed to say all those things. <laughs> because I said it with an image and then he gave the descriptions. But what you didn't include was Harry Potter's glasses. They're these perfect little circles. So they they track this guy and then they bust in and arrest him for trafficking child pornography. That's cool. Whatever. I, I'm totally fine with all that, which I'm going to there's going to be so many asides just as we're talking about this movie. But another aside is that you can criticize the fuck out of this film and it doesn't mean you like child sex trafficking. 
yeah, that's that, that's a that's an area of nuance that we seem that a lot of people seem to have trouble with. That you can say this film is shitty and still not be in favor of pedophilia. It's like in, in very mainstream debates about Israel and and Palestine. It's exactly the same. You can you can criticize Israel for a creating state. an apartheid state. And not be anti-Semitic. Also not be anti-Semitic. Yeah. It's totally possible. Yeah. I know it's so shocking. You know what? You can also criticize the government of Saudi Arabia for all the crazy shit they get up to, like murdering journalists and things like that. And also not be anti-Semitic. And not to anti-Muslim while we're on the subject. Is the, are those guys, any of those guys actually practicing Muslims? I mean, really? The royal family and Saudi Arabia? Is it not Arabia? Uh, Wahhabi? Yeah, but do they actually do it? I mean, oh, all of oh, okay. all those guys, all right, like, all right, don't they all like, go get hammered as soon as they get out of the country? It's called Wahhabi yeah. and Ferraris. So we, the guy gets arrested, he gets put in jail, and then things are trucking along. You see action and activity inside of Homeland Security. And then somehow everything's quiet, everybody's gone, and Tim Ballard, a.k.a. Jim Caviezel, goes and visits this guy who they just arrested in this holding cell and says, I'm the only one here. Everyone's gone for the weekend. <laughs> just in case anybody was thinking about committing a crime that would against the nation. It sounded like he was about to on like, a Saturday. beat the shit out of the guy. I totally thought that there was going to be some Are kind you, of like Hold a- on. You're, you're missing something there. Homeland Security does not shut down on the weekend. They're not like UPS. UPS doesn't shut down on the fucking weekend. The, play, the entire building is deserted. He's, I'm the only one here. Like, they, they just, I'm going to shut, they told me to shut the lights off when I leave. Like, <laughs> wh- wh- who's watching the rest of the prisoners? <laughs> there, there's no, they, they just, they just fill up the food bowls a so, little bit higher so you, for the weekend. So, so that right, exactly. It's like your cat. It's an automatic feeder. <laughs> He lets the guy out of the holding cell and they go sit in the lobby and have a conversation (laughs) because (laughs) nobody's all the lights are off. It's just like a couple of desk lamps around an international criminal. Yeah, I'm just checking him out uh, like I would check out a book at the library. This guy's not this. This guy's not an international criminal. He's he's a guy who's like he's got a hard drives full of child porn. Okay, yeah, that's that's what he was doing. He's not an and and also a prolific child porn advocate because he's an author. He signs the book for Tim Ballard. Oh yeah. The, uh, the, the book that he wrote about oh, it, loving, in Wikipedia, loving kids. He among, uh, there's another guy. I don't remember his name who gives a shit. Uh, they were described as uh, pedophilia activists. Yeah. Like Nambla type shit. You know, the, the, the national national association of man, boy love. So, he lets him out and then he he just, you know, he kind of warms up to him and he starts befriending the guy and then says, you know, he's got that bug in his ear from what his what his young partner said. How many children have you rescued? And he and he so he gets the guy to hook him up with this network and makes convinces him that he's a pedophile as well. The foreshadowing in this whole thing just beats you over the head. You know what the next scene's about. It's pretty upfront. They're not doing anything fantastic with the storytelling here. There's nothing. There's no surprises. You don't get any hooks or any <laughs> twists or anything like that. It's not M. Night Shyamalan. It's all pretty just, yeah, it's all train tracks. The, the whole story is and then. He, he convinces the guy, the, 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 the pedophile, to connect him with 
this network and to import a child for the weekend. My God, he's so little. This time tomorrow, that little boy is going to be yours for the whole weekend. Better have no stone. Be hung around your neck. And you'd be cast into the sea. And that you should ever hurt one of these little ones. What does that mean? Under arrest for crimes against children. I trusted you. Never trust a pedophile. And that's where they deliver the absolute best line of the film when Jim Caviezel says, never trust a pedophile. It's not going to be a blockbuster hit tagline that people say for the rest of the summer. He gets he gets arrested again. The guy was already in custody. He was never offered some kind of a plea deal. He was never offered anything. He just gets arrested for a bigger charge. And he's already in custody. So exactly how does any of that work? This is what this is exactly what I mean about the life story of this of this guy Tim Ballard. It is so there's so much fabrication built into this, so much exaggeration built in that you can't take any of it seriously. If you come across multiple instances where the truth has been stretched to the point of breaking, but not quite, yeah. it's still within the it's still inside that realm of just oh he exaggerated. But when you compound these exag- these individual like exaggerations, then you have something that just it, it defies it defies belief. You know the the whole you can't you just can't accept it anymore. You don't know what the guy is bullshitted about and what he hasn't. I'm not sure if I'm getting too ahead of us here, but there's, that's fine. When when he was testifying to Congress about uh, uh, child sex rings and human trafficking. He was describing how his organization had had saved this this now woman, uh, then teenager, from the clutches of the pedophiles. Yeah. And then as it goes on, like this, this was the crux of the thing that he was saying to Congress. It wasn't it wasn't an aside. He it comes out that it turns out she freed herself. She escaped. She barely had any contact with them at all way after she was way out by her own devices. And in that scenario, it wasn't as if that was revealed later on that she had, in fact, escaped. That was already an established fact. Yeah. Like it was a fact before Tim Ballard ever walked into that room to to testify in front of Congress that she had escaped. Anybody can just look it up. And yet he still said that they that his organization operation underground railroad which again so cr- fucking cringy in so many ways that his organization helped her escape and and like and he just he played that up and and so if nobody calls him on this stuff the guy just keeps going you don't know what what is real in these scenarios because it's all up for grabs when somebody 
distorts reality that way in front of Congress, in, in front of a group where you are literally you can literally be jailed if you lie to them, then who else has he distorted the truth in front of? You know, how many reporters has he misled or exaggerated the 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 circumstances to? And that's just the people who might possibly challenge him. How about the people who just accept everything he says without question? You know, how much is he exaggerated? How much has he conflated things or blown things out of proportion with them? There's different kinds of lies. Some of the lies that people tell are like the George Santos lies, where it has no remote remote correlation with reality whatsoever. It's just, how about this for the truth? Why not? And then you've got then you've got this guy's lies where the way that he does it is some of the people existed and were in some of the places at some of the times described. And as long as you don't look any deeper beyond whether or not those people exist and if they may have been there at the time, then you're good. And then he embellishes the rest of the story. The guy who goes out fishing and catches the biggest fish in the world. Was there a fish? Did he go out fishing? Both of these things definitely happened. Yeah, right. How big was the fish exactly? How did he catch it? What kind of trials and tribulations were involved? Were there genies and mermaids? Who's to say? But the important details are there. And that's what he uses. The same as his as his job where, yeah, you can verify he worked there, but you didn't you don't get to find out any details about it. This is investigative journalist Lynn Packer talking about what he discovered when he was looking into the events that are depicted in Sound of Freedom. It was a year ago that I broke the story that the uh, that the plot, that the uh, main storyline, primary storyline and operation in Sound of Freedom was just it's completely bogus and went into tremendous detail. I mean, if a viewer says, well, where's the proof? Uh, where are the facts? All they have to do is go a year ago to that particular uh, episode. And when you're finished watching it, there is absolutely no question that it, it is bogus. But interestingly, no local news outlet uh, picked up on the story. No national news. Nobody picked up on it. I was the only one who reported and said, hey, this is there's nothing there. But remember, the movie, there was no distributor for the movie. In fact, I predicted that nobody is going to distribute this movie, especially if they read uh, my report, realize it's just all fake. It's just it's just it, it just has come out of uh, Tim Ballard's imagination with help from. Uh, Eduardo Verastegui and his uh, uh, people who helped put the the uh, movie together, and and so then all of a sudden uh, Angel Studios uh, picks it up. Uh, they're really good at uh, crowdfunding. Brought in a lot of money. They also did a fundraiser uh, under a, a rule, uh, a method with the SEC. Securities and Exchange Commission. So they brought in a lot of money. They raised enough money, the $5 million limit that they could go ahead and distribute it and then did so very quickly. This all went very fast so that the uh, movie could premiere, as we know, on July 4th, actually a day sooner. So jumping back into the movie, Tim Ballard learns about this pedophile network and where these kids are being trafficked from. And meanwhile, there's this whole other storyline that comes into this later. But 
basically the boy that was uh that was being that was going to be trafficked the one that's mentioned in the clip that is going to be Ballard's for the whole weekend the pedophile says <laughs> is actually the 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 child of a guy that we saw earlier in the movie and this boy and his sister were both kidnapped and taken into captivity by this woman who is a like a kind of a a Colombian sort of top model or something like that. Yeah. That really did happen. There was a Colombian model who turned who after her career was was going away became a child trafficker and she was arrested. This is a, this, this this is news, you know. This is this actually happened. Yeah. So that part I mean, who knows about the details of her sitting in a living room and like convincing the father to give up his kids. But she actually was arrested as part of this this ring of child traffickers. That's the boy that was going that was being brought up from South America as part of this sting operation. Yeah. So using this information, Tim Ballard traces things back and gets to know that, you know, the 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 kid came from Colombia and he convinces his boss to send him to Colombia, where he goes and hangs around, meets some locals, uh, gets some, you know, like make some connections and tries to make it, you know, make his way into this child trafficking world and penetrate yeah. this network. This is basically the extent of the investigative work that this operative does. There is no, there's nothing about financial records. There's nothing about trying to map the scope of this organization and how far it reaches and what, what countries and bank accounts are connected to it. There, there's absolutely no emphasis in the film on any of those incredibly important investigative techniques when it comes to dealing with an international cartel. He has, he has no, no sense of trying to understand how any of this works. He doesn't want to know. And, and it's clear that he's not interested. And that part is probably factually accurate because the current organization, Operation Underground Railroad, also could give a fuck about how these networks operate. Yeah. It doesn't matter to them at all. That is not their concern. So they get into Columbia and or he gets into Columbia and he's funded currently by his job. The guy says something like, I'll give you 10 grand or something. They like paid him out of some kind of fucked up discretionary black ops fund. Yeah. So if that's real, that's some illegal ass shit. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's the one he's like, oh, you know, that's the, the defense in court. If that ever comes up would be, oh, you know, well, all of these other things are exaggerated. So that was too. It was a narrative device. Yeah. Was it? After being there for a bit, he talks to his boss and the boss is like, okay, there's no results. All you've sent me is glamour shots of the, of Miss, of Miss Columbia. Yeah. So he's going to, the boss is going to pull the plug on this. So what does Ballard do with 10 months left before retirement? <laughs> he quits. He quits his fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> He goes to Columbia, he finds somebody to bankroll this operation, you know, like a like a billionaire with a heart. No, hold on. We got to we got to back up to how their conversation was happening with between him and this guy. It was it was a 1980s uh, uh, tough guy cop show. 
where like it was like dragnet or something where the guy's like, ah, oh, you're out of control. You're out of control. Uh, give me your badge and your gun. Like it was some fucking ridiculous shit where the guy's like, no, it's not working. You got to come home right away. It was so trite and contrived. So, the, uh, so, so he's in Colombia, and, <laughs> and, and since he doesn't have the U.S. The US government, Department of Homeland Security to bankroll this, he finds somebody. You know, this is where he finds the billionaire with a heart and <laughs> manages to convince the guy to pay for this operation. So they, they brought somebody in. So now he's got, you know, Vampiro, who's the, the, the ex-cartel guy who's an American, but still does things for them. And on the side, he buys children and frees them. And this is Bill Camp. This is the, car- this is the guy we were talking about. That's what he does for a hobby. He buys kids and sets them free. I don't know what happens to those kids. I don't know if they just get sent to their parents or... He just supports them. I have, he, he runs an orphanage. Who knows what happens to those children? He's the only character that has, has some sort of a story arc. Because, and not that you see it, but because he tells Tim Ballard about it. He, tell, he talks about he was drunk and on cocaine and bought a, like paid for a prostitute. And then afterwards, he kind of sobered up a little and he realized that she was a child. Yeah. Uh, she, she was, she like was 25. Oh, it turns out she's 14. And that's when I realized yeah. that I have to start buying kids. And that's when he realized he needed to start <laughs> buying kids full time and not just for fun. <laughs> they set up this elaborate, I don't know, like Epstein grotto kind of thing and basically create a, 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 a brand new market. For child traffickers, that that's the, that's something that that seems to be slipping by everybody who loves this movie. the The conversation that they had with the one guy, the the one connection who knew how to get kids, where he said it's not impossible, or he said something along the lines of it's it's possible, but not for one man. He literally had to go find people. He had to go hire out. And in, and find more child traffickers to help him. He he's got a marketing team, and he's he's got a finance. Before all that, the size of his operation was you know X number of kids. He had to go above and beyond to meet this new demand that this American Sting operation created, which I think is just it's perfect for the blindness that gets applied to this sort of um, this interdiction approach to dealing with anything that's that's unlawful. You know, whether it's going to be drugs or whether it's going to be firearms or whether it's going to be children in this case. All of these sting operations, they 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 go out and they they create a market that wasn't necessarily there sometimes. You had people who were like, "Well, I don't really deal with that amount of drugs, but, you know, since you have all this money, somebody who I don't realize is a DEA agent, I'm going to, I'm going to like, I, I see my moment where, you know, like I can really expand now because you have all this money. I'm going to bring all these people in that previously weren't doing drug trafficking and now they all get busted. It's the FBI agent who creates the terrorist. The guy wasn't going to bomb shit. They didn't even know how to build a bomb before you showed them how and got them all the instructions for the materials. And then as soon as you've got the Home Depot receipt, we're in. So they set all this stuff up and it's really just this big secret to catch a predator sting operation. 
and the Colombian military is waiting in boats offshore and swoops in and arrests everybody. But the whole point of all this was to find the one girl, the the sister of the the kid that got trafficked up to the United States in the first place, and she's not there. So then we go all like Heart of Darkness and Jim Caviezel travels down the river in a boat. They get stopped by guards. The the, the absolute, this is the worst part of all this. Okay. There, well, there's, there. you know what? There's two worst parts. <laughs> <laughs> worst part number one, they are disguising themselves as doctors. That's worst part number one, which absolutely destroys the credibility of actual NGO doctor organizations like Medicine Sans Frontier or Doctors Without Borders to be able to operate in places and do their jobs and help people because without being worried that they're secretly going to be thought of as spies or U.S. operatives undercover. Well, the same fucking thing happened when they when they caught Osama bin Laden. They were they're doing a vaccination clinic. And it exactly. fucked everything up over there for for years to come for people actually doing legitimate medical work. Here we have somebody operating outside of, you, you know, the State Department purview, an American operating in Colombia, presenting himself as a doctor, you know, causing all this havoc to save one girl. Like, yes, it's very important. You know, like the, the argument that they use that that Operation Underground Railroad uses is that is is this like they tell this this really strange starfish story about the kid walking on the beach and throwing starfish into the ocean at low tide. And then somebody comes up and says, you know, points out that there's like millions of starfish out there. And he, and he says, you can't save them all. And he says, yeah, but I can save this one, whatever. That's the approach that Operation Underground Railroad takes is that, yes, they know they're acknowledging that they're not going to shut down the demand for child trafficking, but, you know, and they're actually okay with increasing it as long as they can save some kids. Basically, he does all of this. He to he, he creates a precarious, unsafe cir circumstance for any doctor that, that is hoping to deliver health care to people in that jungle ever again or at least for, you know, for the next 20 years or so to save one girl, which is all he makes it out there out of there with. He doesn't take any of the other kids. He saves the one child. Yeah. And it's, it, it becomes this obsession for him, at least in the story, an insane obsession. It becomes this, this almost like pathological scenario that he's created this E-Day fixed where it is just saving this. He has to save the sister of the boy. And if he doesn't save the sister of the boy, then he's he's worthless as a super agent. There's the part where his wife is telling him, oh, then you should go on and, and do this and, and quit your job. And in no part of this do they mention a large part of this was her idea. No, no, it was her idea. Starting the organization and going and doing this thing in Colombia, that was entirely her idea. They, they, they make her out to be this passive character. I know. I don't understand because even Tim Ballard has has given his wife credit for the, you know, for the idea behind all of this. And I don't understand how that didn't make it into the movie, considering that the 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 character that the whole movie is focused on talks about that himself. I mean, to his credit, he's not trying to, like, cheat his wife and <laughs> claim it to be his own. Uh, Tim Ballard Caviezel is, you know, he's down in the rebel camp. Here's the other worst part. 
who are the rebels in Colombia? Fucking FARC. Right, exactly. So the people fighting against the government, the socialists fighting against the government. Marxist-Leninists, if you will. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Six of one, half a dozen right there, buddy. <laughs> the socialists fighting against the government are also child traffickers. Really? I mean, you I got mean, any evidence for that? It, so, so here's something that here's where the the Ballard approach to t- storytelling really matters, because it, with the Columbia, with the, with the you know the Epstein Island sting thing that they set up for you know par- pedophile paradise, the Colombian military was involved in that operation. So everything's documented. It's all there. It's all been. It's filed away in reports. It's all, it's all, you know, all the names have been taken down. Everybody, everybody knows who was present. It's all in the records. But in the heart of darkness, trip down the river, who was there? Because the one guy, the, you know, the vampiro, the one guy that was his contact was, was turned away. And, and Tim Ballard went the rest of the way by himself. And his fucking guy was the guy that supposedly had the connection to all the, uh, all the seedy underground. Well, yeah, but that that connection was gone at that point. It yeah. was, he was just along, he was along as a helper to be a partner. There he is traveling down the river alone, and all these events are just his word. This known pathological confabulator is the one telling the story, and that's the only version we have. We don't have one of the rebels in the camp telling their version of the story. We don't have anybody else letting us, you know, giving us any any other insight into the events that took place. So it's just all we have is Ballard. We don't even have the girl who was rescued and, and any testimony from her. Yeah. We got nothing. Yeah, we're just supposed to take his word for it that these rebels even existed. You know, like, who is this girl? Who's the father? Who are these actual people? Did any of that actually happen? We don't know his exact ideology, but I think that we can presume he's pretty fucking far right wing. And no, 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 I don't, I don't even go there yet. We're, let's just talk about like the, the, the veracity of the story. No, well, what I was going to say is that, is that it is. And it I is, don't think it, he's that far right wing. I think he's like regular right wing. I mean, he's not like a fascist or anything like that. He's like a regular Mormon conservative Republican. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Utah classic. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. He's not a neo-Nazi or anything like that. But the the introduction of Fark in the narrative fits perfectly for his fantastical narrative down the river. I mean, if, if Mark Twain's going to be telling a fucking story that's fantastic, then why not have Fark involved in, in the story and have them be part of the villains? I don't even know if it was like if there was an ideology involved. I think he just chose a group that he knew wouldn't talk to fucking reporters. <laughs> <laughs> These guys don't talk to the cops. So like, I mean, we're, we're, we're just going to deal with, we're going to like the bad guys are in the jungle and you know, like I had to go way far away from everybody, but somehow he had to take a boat to get there, but then he's able to drive out and like on the, like for the escape, he's able to drive. <laughs> I, have, I mean, none of, seriously, don't expect anything to really make a lot of sense. Just a little bit before that, he says something like, uh, no, I wrote it down. Yes, I did. Good, 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 good. Here it is. You can sell a bag of cocaine one time, but oh, a child, yeah. the precious child, 
You can sell five. You can sell a five-year-old kid five to ten times a day. Did you know there were over 22 million new images of child pornography on the web this past year? That's a 5,000 percent increase over the past five years. 5,000 percent. The fact is, it is the fastest-growing international crime network that the world has ever seen. I agreed to it because we were working with the U.S. government. Back out now, this whole thing will blow. It has already passed the illegal arms trade, and soon it's going to pass the drug trade. And you want to know why? Because you can sell a bag of cocaine one time, but a child, the most precious child, you can sell a five-year-old kid five to ten times a day for ten years straight. You can step on a kid six, seven times and still sell them. <laughs> you don't even have to use baking powder with the kid. No, no baby powder at all. Baking, baking powder. Uh, so yeah, no baby to... powder too. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. oh, no, that's real. Yeah, that's totally real. I, I mean, come on, dude. First of all. It, it is it is such a ridiculous line that he's delivering there but also what it, what does the cocaine have to do with anything here like he, he he's trying oh, he's to just a point of comparison he's just yeah. making a comparison but it ties in with fark pretty well anyways because they actually are trafficking at drugs right right but he's he's really just compares uh comparing the one criminal network to another criminal network yeah and you know sense. like people are people are so familiar well i mean at least in in some respects they're familiar with the idea of a drug cartel and so he's making the comparison that yeah you you thought the drug cartels were bad and all the people that get killed and all the drugs and everything like that but let me tell you about how they traffic children yeah all right, so that all brings us to the end of the movie, which is totally anticlimactic. He rescues the girl, gets, she gets reunited with her family, including the brother, and then so on and so forth. And that sets that, and, that and sets father, a whole, go, go ahead. And that sets a whole chain of events into motion that leads Ballard to create this organization operation underground railroad and they've gone and set up these like similar operations in different places like uh they've been in haiti they produced a documentary called operation toussaint and that would that jules and i watched if and you could have seen part of it if you were tuned into our live stream last week <laughs> it's gone now so <laughs> they come and they go the uh, maybe we'll announce the next one and it won't just be <laughs> it won't be so random. Well, we were we'll, kind of we'll, riffing, I think. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, announce it ahead of time so people have a chance to show up. Yeah. So they were in Haiti and, you know, incidentally, after that particular event or I hate to even call them operations because it gives it so much credibility beyond what it warrants. I think they call their groups jump teams. And sometimes they bring along celebrities they've conned into donating to the organization. Like I a mean, fucking ride-along? Yeah, it's like a cop ride-along kind of thing, except there's no cops. There's like nobody professional doing this. There's like a bunch of people who are, could you call them like mercenaries if they work for a nonprofit? 
<laughs> it's, I mean, how is this different than like fucking Blackwater or something, but it's a nonprofit. These bullets are tax deductible. Yeah. Anyway, like after that particular event in Haiti, Ballard and his wife ended up adopting two of these kids. So they have like 10 children of their own and then two adopted kids from Haiti. So that all brings us to this current moment. All right. So here we are, you know, Bastille Day. Hooray. Ha, la fête nationale. <laughs> Yesterday, this just, uh, there's been a lot of reporting advice from Anna Merlin and Tim Marchman. They've been following Operation Underground Railroad for a few years now, at least since 2020, maybe 2019. They just reported yesterday that, and this is from the article, Tim, Ballard, Tim Ballard, founder of Operation Underground Railroad, has quietly parted ways with this with the controversial anti-trafficking group. The news comes as Sound of Freedom, a heavy fictionalized depiction, that's a link that I'm not going to follow right now, of Ballard's work for a division of ICE and his early career as a private anti-trafficking operator. They're being generous with that word operator. Yeah. Those guys love it. They love that word operator, those guys. Continues to draw at the box office. The movie has brought in just under $50 million. I think it costs like $15 million to make. So this production studio, this is not the last we've heard of them. Largely on the strength of a marketing campaign encouraging religious audiences to not only attend the movie, but quote, pay it forward by buying tickets for other people, bringing unprecedented attention to both Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad. In recent days, sources with knowledge of OUR began to tell Motherboard that Ballard had left the organization. By one account, he'd gone to donors in a state of upset, saying that he'd been forced out and asking for their help with a new organization. Another person who's worked with the group said that to the best of their knowledge, he was no longer with OUR and was focusing on his work with the Nazarene Fund, a Glenn Beck-backed organization that is focused on religious minorities in the Middle East, but has more recently operated in Afghanistan and Ukraine. So Glenn Beck was one of the original big donors for Operation Underground Railroad, too. That whole Columbia thing, that, that whole sting operation yeah. where they set up the island and they arranged to purchase a bunch of children, Glenn Beck was one of the funders for that. They made it seem in the movie like it was just this Colombian multimillionaire slash or billionaire guy that was backing financially backing the whole thing. But there were a number of donors and among them was Glenn Beck who contributed, who, well, supposedly contributed millions of dollars to back this project. Yeah. That Columbia event would not have happened without Glenn Beck. Well, you know, the, these are the kind of or sacrifices that he makes for the good of the cause. A third person familiar with our with OUR under fundraising said that they had heard just this week that Ballard had broken with the organization. In a statement, an OUR spokesperson said, founder Tim Ballard has recently stepped away from Operation Underground Railroad prior to the launch of the film Sound of Freedom. They added, Matt Osborne continues to serve as the president and COO of the organization. On LinkedIn, Osborne is listed as... See, both these dogs think Sina is coming home, but she's away for the weekend. She won't be back till Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on them. I'm going to go settle them down. Mm -hmm. Ballard has made no mention of his departure from OUR as he began a one-man press tour focused on the film and the Jim Caviezel played character based on him. In recent days, he's been interviewed on Fox News, 
telling Jesse Waters that criticism of the film by mainstream media outlets was playing into the hands of the pedophiles. <laughs> See, you, you can't say it's a bad movie without loving pedophilia. It's, it, it, it is the easiest trick in the book. I mean, he just pulls it right out and says, ah, well, you don't seem to like my work. Uh, do you like children? So basically, Ballard is out. Who knows what's happening with OUR? It's all drama. And when he was on Jesse Waters, he was introduced as the founder of the, something called the Spear Fund, which if you go to this website, <laughs> do, 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 do we have it. the link? Do we have the link to that? Uh, that is. Yes, yeah, right there. Yeah, it is spearfund.org. It is the most, it is the thinnest website you could possibly have and still put it up. It has no description of what they do. There's no programs. There's no nothing. It's just, a, it just has Ballard and another woman who is probably the whitest lady in Hawaii as the, the co-founder. Oh, no, it's different now. <gasps> oh, look, oh. Sean. It changed. Oh, shut up. Did they update it since we looked at it last? Yes. I love this. This is awesome. You guys, everybody hearing this is getting this live. This is the good stuff. All right. So yesterday when Sean and I were looking at it, it had, it was just like their pictures and it didn't say anything. It was just this nonsense. Now it's, it's a coming soon page and you can donate. It's even worse than it was before, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you made it seem like it was all fleshed out now and there was all these details. No, there's oh, no, no details. It's, there, there's it's actually fewer worse. details. It just doesn't have their headshots. I used to, at least they used to have headshots and bios for these two people. Um, uh, well, you can always go to the Wayback Machine, machine and see, yeah. what it look, see what it looked like yesterday. Basically, it just said the Spear Fund relies on experts in the field of anti-trafficking to consult on its many projects. And then you can donate. The suggestion is $100. But, you know, you can <clears throat> donate less if you don't care about children. All right. I think I'm about done with Sound of Freedom. I think we've, we've beaten the hell out of this movie. Jules, do you have anything you want to mention before we wrap this up? There, There's one part in the movie. I wrote down this quote and I don't want to leave it because it really ties together how the people who are the target fucking demographic think about what's happening here. They, they think of this as this necessary vigilante action, this hero, this action America, America uh, type of character going out and doing the things that are necessary despite what the system says. There's one part where I don't remember to whom he's talking, but the one guy says, bureaucracy's shit. This is why I operate black. Who said that? It was it was his friend who introduced him to um to what's this guy? Not not Cobra, uh Viper. Um Vampiro. Vampiro, that's it. And yeah. uh, Cobra Viper Vampiro. <laughs> I was close. I was close. <laughs> Wolf Snake Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you just whatever code name you want to imagine. <laughs> but it, it was it was right after his boss says, uh, you gotta come home and 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 they have that whole dramatic phone call and then the guy explains to his friend, ah, we we can't do this anymore. And the and the guy is just saying this this is why I operate black. And it's like that's the whole idea. That that's the whole Trump shtick where where he's gonna drain the swamp from the inside and 
and he's gonna he's gonna deal with the the dark agencies and the shadow government and and that is the whole conspiracy brain mindset that is the huge attraction to this kind of action adventure except it's more of a snooze fest all right everybody thank you for listening to another episode of wet wired as always we would appreciate your support on Patreon, and if you're already a Patreon subscriber, then we love you dearly. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash wetwired. You can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at wetwiredpod. And of course, you can check out our Discord. That's right. It's hopping. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Later, everybody. And I was like super curious, so I came to see it and the lights didn't turn off for the first 10 minutes. And also there was like a voiceover, like a narrator for blind people. In a bathroom, Tim regards himself in a mirror. He splashes water on his face. In daylight, Tim enters the sunny foyer of a home. A young girl throws her arms around him. A blonde woman approaches. At a table, Tim sits with the girl and four boys. The children leave. The woman sits with Tim. Without looking, he puts his hand on the table. She rubs it. He meets her gaze. In an office, Tim faces the closed blinds of a window. He puts his hands on his hips. Behind him, a balding man at a desk, Bryant, eyes him. Come on, what's going on? Tim looks over his shoulder. Why do people come out and complain? It's not our fault. We have to get this situated so that everybody can feel accommodated and then we'll restart the movie, okay? Restart the movie?